I knew how to count. I knew how to add. I knew how to go to work. I knew how to work hard for my money. I knew how to grind. But I always felt that I couldn't get ahead. I just felt like I was always on the treadmill running faster and faster and faster. But that treadmill was in the same exact space. You just clicked into the Get Your Money Right podcast. The podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. This is episode number 36. We talk about the four silent wealth killers. You got to listen. Let's get it. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business, because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money. And this show is designed to change just that. I'm your host, the money misfit, Jamar Dupas, and this is episode number 36. This will probably be one of the most important episodes that we have period dot the end it's a a subject that makes all the difference if you can understand these things if you can understand what we're getting ready to talk about you can weather the storm and fight your way to wealth to getting really and truly getting your money right so i'm really excited about that we're going to talk about the four silent killers these are the things that we don't think about that we don't look at that catches us off guard that no matter how much money we make it doesn't matter doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much money we make. If we don't get these things in check and understand what they are, we will never get our money right. So that's what we're going to talk about today, so stay tuned to that. If this is your first time tuning in, I'd like to say welcome, welcome, thanks for tuning in. I don't know how you found us, but I do appreciate you being here. Again, my name is Jamar Dupas. Uh, I am the host of this here show, and we talk about money from a different perspective. This is not your typical personal finance uh, podcast. We don't talk about, you know, we don't go through all the jargon. We don't talk about stock tips. We don't do any of that stuff. I am not a stockbroker. I'm not a financial advisor. I don't sell insurances. I don't work in the financial industry at all. I, in fact, I'm just a regular cat. I, I'm a firefighter. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a child of Christ. And what happened was, at one time in my life, especially when I got married, got tired of being broke, got tired of fighting about money, uh, got tired of all the stresses that comes with not having money. And I dug my nose in and I started to figure this whole thing out when it came to money. Today, uh, my wife, she we live a very decent lifestyle. We travel. My wife stays at home. Uh, she manages the home. She's my partner in crime on just about everything. Uh, so basically what I'm saying is she doesn't have to work for anybody else. We have three kids. We own a home, a couple of cars. We take vacations. We have a pretty decent lifestyle uh, on one income, which is unheard of for a lot of people these days. But um, I'm starting to find out that it's not as uh, weird as we usually th- thought. And then I'm hoping that other people join us uh, along this journey. So that's what this podcast is all about. If you want to find out more about what we do how we do it, head over to our website. The website is yourmoneyright.com, just yourmoneyright.com. Head over to the website, get on the email list, join the Misfits if you really want to get started on the road of getting your money right. 
Um, so that's the best place to start and also to get in touch with us. And if you have any questions, you can hit us up there. So uh, with that being said, today's uh, show is so jam packed. I just want to jump right into it. I'm not going to make a whole bunch of announcements. Uh, happy Halloween. Everybody's listening this is on Halloween. Um, and, and it's and funny because Halloween is actually kind of why I uh, decided to do the show now, because we're talking about the financial killers, the money killers. Right. So it's kind of creative. No. OK, don't worry about it. But anyway, so let's get on with the quote of the day. Today's quote of the day is not actually a quote. It's just something that I said and decided to make the quote of the day. But basically, it states that financial ignorance does not equal bliss. It equals broke. <laughs> OK, uh, so no, no, I know a lot of people talk about how, you know, ignorance is bliss. You've heard that, that statement before. And in some situations, I can see that being the case. But when it comes to your money, uh, being ignorant is not bliss. It's being broke and being frustrated. It's the opposite of bliss. So that's the quota today. And that is relevant to what we're going to talk about today, because these four things that I'm going to talk about today are things that I kind of knew about, but didn't really look at them in this perspective. Again, if you're new to this uh, this podcast, the perspective of how we look at money is what changes people, makes the most impact. And know for sure it made the most impact for me because I knew how to count. I knew how to add. I knew how to go to work. I knew how to work hard for my money. I knew how to grind. But I always felt that I couldn't get ahead. I just felt like I was always on the treadmill running faster and faster and faster, but that treadmill was in the same exact space. So today we're going to talk about these four things, and if you get them, uh, you can see, I can't make any guarantees, you know, because I don't know nobody suing me or nothing like that, but if you get these things, you will see, hopefully your eyes are going to open up real wide, but if you get these things, the more money you make in your life, the more money you're going to keep, and the more money that money is going to make for you if you get these things. So First, I like to start with a story, right? I like stories because stories, you know, they can paint a picture, right? I heard I heard a, a mentor of mine say one time that uh, a picture paints a thousand words, but a thousand words don't always paint a picture, right? So I want to try to paint a picture. And today I'm going to use the parable of the boiling frog. Um, and some of you may have heard this, but real basically it's just... Uh, if you take a frog and you want to boil a frog, I don't know why you want to boil a frog, but it sounds nasty. But anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little under weather, so I might have to take some breaks and stuff like that this episode. But anyway, if you want to boil a frog or if you have boiling water and you throw the, bo- the frog into boiling water, it will jump out immediately. But if you want to boil the frog alive, again, that's nasty. What you do is you put the water, the, the frog in the water, and you slowly bring it to a boil, and the frog will not jump out. And I'm using that story because when we talk about these items, I want you to understand that's how our money is being cooked. It's not that they boil our money immediately, right away, but they cook us by doing it slowly, by doing it without us really paying attention, by doing it but telling us we're in a hot tub and not a pot on the stove, right? If we were a frog, so to speak. So when I so when I talk about these four killers, that's why they're silent killers, because we don't really pay much attention to them. And the first one today 
the first silent killer is taxes. Now, if you've listened to the episode, you've heard me talk about taxes before. Uh, we did an episode a few few episodes back talking about how Trump, how Trump pays no taxes. Uh, we touched on taxes again. I think last episode we talked about it. We've talked about taxes quite a bit. Um, but taxes, a lot of people don't understand or don't see it. But taxes are our biggest expense, right? So when a lot of people talk about getting your money right, one of the first things they tell you to do is you need to cut your expenses, that you need to stop eating out, that you need to stop buying nice clothes, that you need to stop buying nice cars, or you need to stop doing all that. And that may be the case for you, right? (laughs) You may be spending too much money on all that stuff. But one of the things that they never talk about is your taxes, and how there are ways and there are methods that we should be using to cut our taxes, right? Um, I know a lot of people, especially when you're running for president, they feel like you're more patriotic or uh, it's more noble to pay more in taxes than to not. And there's nothing patriotic about paying more in taxes than you're supposed to, right? You're actually doing the country a disservice. It's like, giving a child more candy than it needs, right? And no child really needs a bunch of candy, but it it should have some, right? But there is nothing noble about paying more taxes than you're supposed to. And if taxes are your biggest expense, and it's not just me making this up, right? So uh, a third of every dollar that you make, really a third to about 50% of every dollar, 50 cents every dollar that you make goes to taxes, right? According to uh, the... The uh, the tax association, um, they have this thing called tax freedom date, right? And every year they calculate how many months throughout the year do we as Americans have to work to pay off our tax burden to our government, right? And this year, the date was like April 22nd or something like that. So basically what that means is from January, February, March, and April... You didn't work for yourself. You worked for the government. So four months out of the year, you worked for the government to pay your taxes. Now, that's a lot, right? When you're thinking about um, how much you bring home, how much they say you make, right? So if you say, I make $50,000 a year, or if I make $100,000 a year, well, you might earn that quote unquote, but you don't necessarily take that home. And we all know that, right? We knew that from the very first time we got a paycheck. We got a job, got that first paycheck. He's like, wait a minute, this paycheck ain't, (laughs) wait, you said I made, you know, when I got to work, it was 515 an hour. I don't, I don't, I don't, if I do 515 times 20 hours, I work this week. This, this don't add up to this number you put on this, this paper, right? So we learned that from our very first paycheck when we got into the workforce, Right. That uh, what you say you earned is not actually what you're going to take home. And and that's the thing. So it says Americans uh, will collectively spend more on taxes in 2016 than they will f- spend on food, clothing and housing combined. Right. So we we normally think that our housing costs is our greatest expense. But according to this research, we will collectively spend more on taxes then we will spend on food, clothing, and our housing combined, right? So taxes, it's a pretty big deal, right? But why does no one talk to us about that? Why does no one say anything about it? Well, one, 
uh, it doesn't really help us when you follow the narrative that we've been taught. Right. You go to school, get an education, get a good job, save some money in 401k, uh, you save up enough money. Hopefully you retire one day. Right. Maybe 65 or something like that. Right. Um, cutting out your taxes or, or, or minimizing your taxes doesn't really help if that's your game plan in life. Right. And there's not a whole lot you can do if that's your only game plan. Unfortunately, as an employee in the United States of America, you are the highest taxed person, right? Now, not per dollar, but per percentage wise, right? We all know we've heard of the the um, the the Donald Trumps and the Mitt Romneys and and you know the other billionaires, Warren Buffetts and stuff like that, who who states that look, uh, Warren Buffett even said like I pay less in taxes uh, percentage wise than my own secretary does, right? Uh, and of course, he says that's pitiful. It's a disgrace. It shouldn't be like that. Um, well, you know, the thing I say to Warren Buffett, though, is if you really feel like that, just pay what, you know, <laughs> the government will take your money if you pay it. So if you really feel like that, just pay what your, you know, what your secretary pays. But he won't do that. So I'll digress. Right. Also, when it says Americans will pay three point three trillion dollars in federal taxes and one point six trillion in state and local taxes for a total bill of almost five trillion dollars or 31% of the nation's income, right? That's a lot of money. Um, so that's that's a real big deal, right? And, and, and again, that's a third of what you bring home. So what can we do about it? Well, there's a lot of things we can do about it, right? Um, but I really want to hit this thing down right now. So let me, let me say this because I didn't say this. This episode is going to be an overview of those four things. I will then late, later go into more details and kind of dig into these subjects because they're so important to understand, right? So today I'm going to give you an overview because if I try to get into detail and give you the solutions and all that about everything today, this is going to be a three-hour or four-hour long podcast and I don't have time right now. I don't know if my voice is going to last that long. But let's talk about let's talk about what you can do. Right. As an employee, one of the biggest issues that I see and I've talked about this before, but one of the biggest issues I see is that people overpay their taxes throughout the year. Even the IRS says is that people overpay their taxes to the to the tune of billions. In fact, I think it was one hundred and twenty five billion dollars last year that people overpaid in taxes. Right. Uh, We know people overpay in taxes because you get a tax refund. Right. They don't give you a refund because they like you. They give you a refund because you pay too much in taxes throughout the year. They took too much out of your paycheck. Right. So a lot of people feel like if you get a tax refund that you didn't pay any taxes. That's not true. You're getting a tax refund because you pay too much in taxes. Right. Now, there is a segment of our population that do not pay any federal income taxes right but they still may pay state income taxes we know they definitely pay sales taxes and all the other taxes because there's a ton of taxes out there right a lot of people just think about federal taxes when we talk about taxes, and they think about federal income taxes but very few people think about state income taxes very few people think about your local taxes Uh, there's so many taxes out there right Uh, but just on the federal income tax perspective uh, the average refund Last year was a little bit over $3,000 per month, right? That's a lot, not per month, excuse me, $3,000 per person. Excuse me, not $3,000 per month. $3,000 per person was the average refund, right? That's a lot of money, right? That's $250, 
a month that people could be using towards other things in their life as opposed to giving it to the government every month, the whole year, and then waiting for them to give you your money back. Now, remember, when you give the government your money, you're giving them an interest free loan. They pay no interest on any money that you give them only only under special circumstances. Right. But for the most part, when they take money out of your check, you are prepaying your tax bill. But a lot of times, like we just talked about, you're overpaying your tax bill. So if you're struggling right now, right? So at an example of a, a single mom who uh, would get these huge refund checks, right? $6,000 refund checks, right? But she was bouncing checks. She was having a hard time keeping up with debt payments. She had credit card payments. She had student loans was coming up. Uh, kids needed things for school, school supplies, school clothes, and things like that. But she was getting $6,000 uh tax refunds. She just went in and adjusted her W-4s, and we'll talk about how to do that later, but she went in and adjusted her W-4, and instead of waiting the next year to get that $6,000 tax refund, she gave herself a pay raise of $500 a month, right? Actually, it was a little bit less. It was like 400 something because she wanted wanted to make sure she got a little bit of refund because she didn't want to have to pay them. But it was like 400 something dollars. So let's just round it up. Let's say $500 a month. That $500 a month changed her life, right? It actually changed her her zip code. She got a a little bit better apartment that was a little bit safer, closer to the school. We saved the money because she didn't have to drive all the way across to drop the kids off to the school that they were going to, yada, 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 yada. But anyway, when you let the government keep your money, not only are you giving them an interest free loan, but it's also costing you money. Right. So if you have debt, if you have student loans, you have credit card payments, you have a mortgage, you got anything that you owe money on. That you have to pay interest or fees on. That not having that money in your pocket today is costing you extra interest, extra fees. Right. If you're bouncing checks throughout the year, but you're getting a tax refund, you're doing it wrong, right? And you can easily change that. Just go to the IRS website and and, and, and recalculate that stuff. Um, but but back to the taxes, right? I, I, I didn't mean to go on that tangent, but back to taxes. They say that the average college student uh, that uh, or college educator, some college person, uh, you don't have to have be college degree, but just if you have some type of college, will usually work about or earn about $2 million over their working career, right? $2 million over their working career is a lot of money. If you don't do anything and you just pay your taxes as, you know, by default, 37% of that, that's almost $700,000 that you're paying towards taxes, right? Over your, the life of your career. If you made $2 million, 700000 of that is going to taxes, that's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money that can help you build wealth. That's a lot of money that can help you leave a legacy. That's a lot of money that can help you just just kind of be at ease, do whatever you want to with that money. Because I promise you, once you kind of get your money right, you'll be more more efficient with your money than the government will ever be, right? Because remember, the government doesn't produce anything. It just it takes money and it distributes it out. We do have some government programs. Uh, We do need government programs. We need government. I'm not one of these anarchists or anything like that. Um, But as a whole, the government is not as efficient with money because it's like the rich guy that has 
the uh, the young girlfriend, right? And he just gives her a credit card to go spend and shop. Well, when she goes in, she's not looking at the prices of stuff, right? He gave her a black card. She's going to go in and just buy whatever she likes. Well, that's kind of how the government is. The government just kind of takes the money and it just kind of spins, right? Because they're not necessarily connected to it. Uh, there's no real incentive for a government employee to find the best deals, to find the best uh, prices uh, that are out there, the most competitive, the most best use of your money. Right. Unless there are people that are actively on their tail and watching what they do. But for the most part, that's kind of how the government is in general. Not knocking. It's just just the way it goes. It's just human nature. Right. But um to give you an idea of what I mean by your taxes, right? So a lot of people, they just think about federal income taxes and federal income taxes are important, right? You got your federal income tax, you got your state income taxes, but there's also taxes that you don't think about, right? Taxes that you don't even think that are taxes. One of the big taxes that are out there that takes us that we don't even think about is our payroll taxes, right? So it's the FICA or whatever that you get out of your paycheck that goes to pay for your social security and your Medicare, now, currently in the United States, it's about six and a half percent that gets taken out, deducted from your side. But your employer, if you're in the U.S., is also required to take out another or pay or match what they've taken out of your check for your Social Security and your Medicare. Right. So it's not just this six and a half percent or six point two. It actually is up to twelve and a half percent of your money that could be going to you. Right. They, your employee could be paying you this money, but they're not. So, for example, every time you get a thousand dollar check, they take out about one hundred and twenty five dollars um, just for your Social Security and your Medicare. Now, many of you, uh, if you're my age, you um, and if you pay any attention to the Social Security right now, as it stands today, you can go on the Social Security website and they will tell you. So I'm not, I'm not making this up. They will be out of money by uh, twenty thirty seven. Right. And it could be as early as 2030, 2028. Right. They're going to be they're not going to be able to pay your full uh, full benefit. It's actually going to be shrunk down to 75 percent of what already isn't enough at 100 percent. Right. And not only that, they've already started kind of finagle and playing with cost of living increases and stuff like that. If you have parents or family that that uh, live solely on Social Security, you know that the cost of goods and cost of living is increased higher than their social security uh, checks have, right? So that's not going to get much better. All right, maybe it will. I don't know. But as it stands right now, if you, if you if you have to ask me if I had to make decisions based on it, I wouldn't depend on it, right? So that's uh, a tax that we don't really think about. Then there's sales taxes and there's property taxes, right? I looked at my property taxes. There's nine different entities that siphon off money off of the property taxes that I pay every every year. It's crazy, right? I think I pay for two school districts or something. It's like I'm in Harris County and I'm also in the Houston uh, school district. It's, it's crazy stuff. But anyway, um, so that's a tax. Um, a bunch of other hidden tax. Like uh, when I got married, I had to get a marriage license, right? A lot of people don't think of a license as a tax, but it is a tax. It goes to the government. It doesn't cost the government any money for me to get married. Right. It doesn't you know, it's just a tax. It's just, hey, you want to get married? Here's a tax. Your driver's license is a tax. Right. Uh, toll fees. Your cell phone has I don't know how many taxes on your cell phone. Utilities, they, they tax you to that. Uh, I have to get my dog uh, rabies shots and then all these other things. So I have a dog. I have a pet. It called. They tax me for having a pet. Right. Um, 
they uh, they tax if you own things. They tax uh, if you have savings, right? So if you have a savings account or if you have mutual funds, uh, if you have any type of money that's making you more money, they tax that too. Even though they've already taxed you when you earn the money, they will tax you again once your money starts earning you a little bit of money, right? Um, they tax you know, libraries, right? There's a whole sin tax, right? The, for what the government calls sins, that's alcohol consumption, cigarettes, things like that. They tax you to travel. They tax your trash. They tax your vehicle, right? So if you own a car, a vehicle registration, that's a tax. They call it registration. They call it inspection. They call it different things, but these are all taxes that you don't think about. And because you don't think about it, that's kind of, you know, goes back to the whole analogy with the frog. You just they put the frog in and they they boil it slowly. And the next thing you know, we're in up paying 30 to 50 percent of everything that we take home or everything that we earn goes to some type of tax in some way, some form or, or another. And then probably the two most diabolical taxes there are out there is number one is what I call uh, the broke tax. Right. Uh, we don't have any money. Things cost more money, right? I did an episode, I think it was episode number four, uh, It's Expensive Being Broke. One of my most popular episodes, if you haven't listened to, go back and listen to it, but I talk about the expenses that are involved when you don't have any money, the expenses that are involved when you're broke, the overdrive fees, the convenience fees, the the it's just, just life in general. So go back and listen to that episode because I don't want to get back into that. And then the the probably the most diabolical tax of them all which is also silent killer number two, and that is inflation, right? So for those who don't know, inflation in this very general sense, well, technically inflation is just the increase in supply of money, right? But as it relates to us, it's when things that we need to live and survive ends up costing more tomorrow than it does today. Right. So basically the cost of living, kind of like I touched on with the Social Security thing. Right. Uh, So cost of living goes up. Right. At a certain percentage every single year. Right. We know this because you used to be able to get a Coke for twenty five cents. Right. This is just in my lifetime. Right. (laughs) I should be able to go get a Coke for twenty five cents out of a vending machine. Right. I can't even find a vending machine. Not even vending machines just have credit cards on them now because they can just charge a dollar fifty, dollar seventy five, two fifty, whatever. Don't go to Disney World or or Six Flags or something like that. They gonna hit you up. You are gonna pay two two dollars and fifty cents for some water, right? Um, but that's what I mean by the cost of living going up, right? And it's it's really one of those things that we don't really think about, right? Nobody tells you to be prepared for that. Um, and so we think that this is one of the biggest reasons, right? You feel like you just can't seem to get ahead, right? It's like, you know, you've made more money five years ago. I mean, you know, you're making more money today than you did five years ago, but it doesn't seem like you can do more, right? But then we turn around and we blame it on the kids or we blame it on something else. But really, it's just things are costing more. Now, the government will tell you, oh, inflation is low this year. Inflation is only at a half percent or one percent. But then you see that a cost of bread has gone up by 50 cents when it used to cost a dollar. That's not only half a percent. That's not one percent. Right. So don't necessarily listen to government numbers all the time. You know, in your own life, you can see it that the cost of living goes up. 
right? Just look at what we're getting ready to do in healthcare, right? Now that we got the Affordable Health Care Act is <laughs> become showing itself not so affordable. Uh, they just said that uh, premiums will increase by up to 25 or by 25 percent pretty much across the board. I've noticed since I've started working um, that my insurance costs go up every year, year after year after year after year. Now, some of you may get cost of living raises at your job. Maybe it's one percent, two percent, three percent, five percent, whatever it is. Um, but you also notice that even though with these raises, you just feel like you just in the same place. You're just on that treadmill. That's because the cost of everything else is going up either at the same tick or even a faster rate. Right. And but they don't tell you the whole story when they're talking about inflation rates, because what really matters is what the things that you buy, what the price is going for that. Right. Um, this is also the reason why uh, college costs are so high. Right. Why tuitions go up dramatically. This is the reason why we had the housing crisis. Uh, back in 2007. This is the reason why the stock market today is at record highs, but the growth uh, and pr- productivity of this country is pretty much stagnated, right? We're at some of the lowest numbers we've been at in a long time. So you say, how can that possibly be? Well, when you think about inflation, and again, I'm going to get into more detail in another episode, but just real quick, when you think about inflation, Inflation, like I said, is the increase in money supplies when they add more when they have more money added to the to the system. Right. You get more dollars chasing the same amount of goods. So things go up in price. So, for example, tuition prices went up sky high when they made uh, uh, student loans uh, so readily available. When the government said to these banks, hey, I need you to loan these students uh, money to go to college and we will guarantee these loans. Um, What happened was everybody got into the student loan game, right? Because it was easy money. It was guaranteed money. You just have to loan people money out. The government will have your back, right? So you couldn't lose. But what happens is that flooded the market with a bunch of money, right? So you have more money chasing the same amount of goods means the prices go up, right? Let's give you a real world example. If uh, uh, when I was shopping for a house, right, um, we were looking for a house and it was a couple of houses that we found and several of the houses that we found, we would put an offer in on it. Right. And even some of them, we even gave them asking price. Right. One house we wanted. This is what they wanted. They asked, say, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We said, we'll give you one hundred fifty thousand dollars for this house. Right. But somebody else with more money. Right. Said, I'll give you one hundred and sixty thousand for the house. Right. So you have more money chasing the same product. The price of it goes up. So a lot of people think that uh, the homeowner sets the price or that the person who builds this tinker toy or whatever it is sets the price. No, they don't set the price. The people set the price. The market sets the price. So however much money that we have in the market determines what the prices of things are based on its scarcity and how many goods and blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's how the housing market got up. Right. So they said, well, we want everybody to own homes. So just like they did with the student loan, the government said, hey, I want you to loan people homes because we need home ownership to be higher. So own uh, loan these people the money so they can buy their houses and we will guarantee that you don't lose. So guess what that does? That floods a ton of money into the market and that drives prices of houses up. 
Same thing with the stock market today. Right. So when we took that big hit, the Federal Reserve said, hey, look, we uh, we can't keep taking hits in the stock market. We got to keep the stock market inflated so everybody can feel good about themselves. so Everybody can have this money moving around so banks can start lending again, yada, yada, yada. So they just flooded the market with a bunch of money. And um, it just increased the prices of of everything. Right. So that's that's kind of how that happens. Right. <clears throat> but back to the real world. Right. Back to how it relates to what we're talking about, how it relates to us. Uh, another example. Uh, I was born in the 80s. Right. I'm 80s, baby. If my mom, just for an example, was making, let's say, one hundred thousand dollars in 1980. Let me take a sip. Hold on. <clears throat> if my mom was making one hundred grand. A year in 1980, which she wasn't, but if she was, right, just for number's sake, right? Today, and I put this into the uh, the CPI calculator, right? So it's not me just making these up. I'm actually using the government's numbers, <clears throat> which, mind you, the government a lot of times doesn't uh, give you the full picture, but I'm using the government's numbers, right? The most conservative numbers you're going to find from the Bureau of Labor S- Statistics, right? I can never say statistics. I'm working on it. I'm going to give me like a voice coach or something. I can't be in broadcast and talking on podcasts and I can't say statistics, but anyway, especially talking about money. Oh, I just said it. But anyway, so I, I took a hundred grand in 1980, right? And I put it into the CPI inflation calculator, right? CPI stands for consumer price index. If you don't understand it, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later. But I put a hundred thousand dollars in uh, the calculator and I set the year to 1980. And today, for her to have the same purchasing power, the same buying power, she would have need to earn $292,995.15. So if she was making six figures, if she was making a hundred grand in 1980, in order to buy the same amount of stuff, to have the same exact lifestyle, to buy the same things that she bought in 1980, to buy those same things today, she would need to make over $290,000 a year. Right. That's almost three times what she made, what she would have made, you know, hypothetically in 1980. Right. So I say this to say that. Think about where you're at right now. Right. This is one of the reasons why I say that your job isn't enough or that jobs are temporary. Right. Because you have to continuously move up. Um, Even if you double your money. Right. Even if you're making one hundred thousand dollars this year. And you say, okay, I'm gonna stay with this company for 20 years. I'm gonna make, I'll be making $200,000. Well, as crazy as it sounds, $200,000 may not be enough, right? To to live the same lifestyle you're living today. Now, I'm not even talking about any increases, <laughs> right? Um, there may feel like some increases because hopefully, you know, you got your student loans paid off, you got some debt paid off, you freed up some money, things like that. But uh, jobs don't necessarily uh, keep up with inflation. Now, that's kind of what they're supposed to do. That's kind of why, you know, the, the design of them. But a lot of times they won't. Right. Um, so I can tell you that my mom today is not making three times uh, what she was making in 1980 today. Right. So I'll just leave it at that. Right. So I really just kind of want you to kind of get that picture that the cost of things go up. We talked about this in another episode. We talked about how even houses cost were a lot cheaper. Cars were a lot cheaper than what they were then. I think the cars were like eight thousand dollars for a brand new car. Today, that's like thirty something thousand dollars. Right. You can look at that. You can look at that trend. Right. It's like three times the amount. Right. So things cost more. And this hurts uh, poor people the most. 
right? Um, or, or people on fixed income, especially. So if you know somebody who's retired um, 20 years ago and they depend on Social Security or they depend on, uh, you know, a pension, you can find out their money just doesn't stretch as long as it used to. And how it hurts poor people the most is if if, if inflation is at 10 percent. Right. And, uh, you know, say that groceries was one hundred dollars. Right. And they're on a fixed income and their groceries go up by ten dollars. That's significant to somebody that doesn't have a lot of money. Now, that may not be significant to somebody who's super wealthy. Right. But the people who are at the bottom, they get hit the most. Now, why do I call this a tax? Right. Why do I say this is the most diabolical tax? It's the most diabolical tax because the government can do this without you voting for it. Right. It's like taxation without representation. Right. And they do do this. This doesn't just happen by itself. It's not because of uh, capitalism or it's not because of anything else. It's because the government does this. Right. Uh, Why would the government want to inflate? Why would they want to inflate the dollars? Well, if they can inflate the economy, it can make it look like we're growing faster. If it can borrow money, it puts more money into the economy and it appears that we're growing faster than we would if we didn't borrow money. Right. The problem with that is it hurts the people at the bottom the most because the money that comes into the system usually comes in at the top first. Right. And then the prices end up trickling down. This is one of the reasons why we keep getting a, uh, a minimum, a minimum wage increase. This is one of the reasons why people's like, man, I was making this that year and I'm making this this year. and I just don't feel like I'm enough. This is also one of the reasons why the minimum wage don't really matter a whole lot. I know a lot of people's like, well, we need to make the minimum wage $15 an hour. Well, it doesn't matter. Even if you do make the minimum wage $15 an hour, these people who make minimum wages will have minimum lifestyles because everything else around them will increase because of the minimum wage. It's just just the way that thing works. So that's why I call it a, a, a tax. Because it's a tax that happens without you voting for it. And there's not much you can do about it, right? So the key here is to keep up and go beyond inflation, right? You have to make your dollars move. You make your skills move. Make your marketability move a whole lot faster than what inflation is moving. Or if not, you're going to stay stagnant and end up being able be buying less tomorrow than you are able to buy today. Now, let's move on. Let's go to... Silent killer number three. And silent killer number three is one that I think pretty much everybody knows about, um, which is debt and hidden fees. Right. I like to call these compounding expenses. These are expenses that we don't really think about or people have told us it's it's kind of the norm. Right. It's just the way it is. Right. If you if you buy a house, you just get a mortgage. Right. Uh, if you want to buy furniture, you just make payments on it. if you want to buy a car, you get a car note. Uh, if you want to invest, you just pay fees. Those are the things that you do. You you pay fees to invest. And that's just kind of the way it works. Right. Um, the problem with that. And I've said this before. And the problem with debt is not debt itself. Right. Really, the problem with all this, the problem with everything I'm going to talk about is that it invades your cash flow. Right. And when it invades your cash flow, your cash flow is what you use to live the lifestyle you want to live. Right. So if it invades your cash flow, it's preventing you to live the lifestyle that you want to live unless it's not. Right. Um, So you just think about it like that. Um, When you borrow money to live the lifestyle that you're living today, you also got to also understand that you're trading. Right. You're trading or you're sacrificing life tomorrow. 
to get that today. So, for example, you bought, you know, a pair of jeans, right? You put it on a credit card. You spend $100 for this pair of jeans, right? And you pay your minimum payments. Well, by the time you're done paying that those off, that card off for those jeans, you done bought like three or four or five pair of jeans. But really, you only bought one. You just spent the amount, right? So a lot of people, they'll go in. This is why um, a lot of companies, they'll give you 5% off or give you 10% discount, 20% discount if you apply for a credit card with them while you're in their store. Because they know they're going to make that 20 and 10% back three or four times over, right? Because if you're making minimum payments or if you're making just some, some basic payments on your credit card, right, you're going to buy that same shirt two or three times over. Right. That's why they give you the discount up front, because they know they'll get it back on the back end if you pay your credit cards like uh, the average American. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're not an average American. And even if you think you are, uh, (laughs) I'm going to change that. So uh, that's not going to apply to us in the future. But that's just I want you to think about it from that perspective. Uh, And for most of us, debt is is really only a problem when it's costing us things we don't want to pay for. And when it's unproductive. Right. So there's a lot of people who use debt. You've heard people talk about good debt versus bad debt. There's a lot of people that use debt to get wealthy. Right. I'm not talking about that. If you if you have a business and, uh, you know, let's say, uh, for example, here's here's a necessary time where you want to get debt, use debt uh, that I will call good debt. Right. So I'm going to debunk the whole thing. There's no such thing as a bad debt or good debt. Right. So let's say, for instance, you uh, you make. I don't know. My wife used to make wreaths, right? So like you make wreaths that hangs up on your door for the holidays, right? <clears throat> Let's say my wife was making these wreaths, right? And somebody loved them so much and and Oprah got wind of it, right? So Oprah said, hey, look, I want to have you on my show. I want you to be in uh, Oprah's, I don't know what she does, like a top 10 or, or stockings, Oprah's stocking stuff or something like that. But anyway, so the companies that make Oprah's list every year for Christmas, the business goes bananas, Right. Why? Because everybody buys what Oprah buys. Right. You know, that's just kind of the way it goes. If Oprah says, hey, you got to check this out, people check it out. Right. So let's say, for instance, my wife had a small business that she was maybe selling 10 reads a week or something like that. Right. But then Oprah calls. Hey, I need you to come on my show or I excuse me, says, hey, I want to talk about your reads in the magazine. Right. Will you be able to handle a million orders? Right. The answer is no. Typically, (laughs) how do I do that? Well, at that point, if somebody's making you, you know, you're going to make a million orders on something at that point, you might have to borrow the money. Right. Or find an investor or something like that. So you can come up with the million orders so you can, you know, you can service all these customers. Otherwise, you won't be able to service all these customers. You just got to go, well, I'm sorry. I just, I just can't make that money today. I just can't serve all these people. I'm only going to keep doing 10 a week. Right. And you can do that. That's your prerogative. You know, maybe you could charge a lot more and do it that way. But that would be an example of good debt, right? That you can borrow money or you can do a co-signment or you can, uh, you can get an investor, Uh, to help you make that to make that deal. Right. So that's an example of that. But anyway, most of us are not using debt for that. Right. Most of us using debt uh, to kind of live our our random lifestyles that we're living. Right. Or student loans, things like that. Buying cars, things like that. Uh, the, The problem with them is these things multiply over time. The expenses multiply. Anybody here owns a home. If you looked at that amortization schedule, you know, by the time you're done paying your house off over a 30 year fixed rate mortgage or whatever it is, you're going to end up 
paying for the house two or three times. Right. You could buy you could, you know, for the same amount of house, you're going to double this double what you say it's going to cost you. Right. So they may say the interest rate is four percent, five percent, whatever it is. But the real interest rate ends up being like 100 percent. All right. When it's all said and done. So uh, that's what I mean by compounding expenses. A lot of people talk about compounding investments. Right. Um, that you've heard of the rule of 72. If you take uh, 72 and divide it by the interest rate that you're going to get. It tells you, uh, you know, how often your investment will double. Well, many people talk about compounding interest, compounding numbers and things like that. But it also works against you. Right. If you lose money or uh, when it comes to debt, compounding debt works against you and it works. And that hurts more than when it <laughs> it's more powerful work, working against you than it is working for you. So I just want you to think about that for a minute. So that's one of the biggest problems with debt. Speaking of compounding interest and compounding numbers a lot of people are finding out through mutual with their mutual funds and 401ks deferred comp plans things like that um that even those things are costing them a ton of money uh, tony robbins wrote a book i want to say it was this year maybe it was last year's money master the game um which is a good book you should get it's a it's a 600 pages so you, it's a it's a heavy read uh but it's really good stuff in there right but anyway he talked about uh, fees in a 401ks and the difference that uh, a 1% versus a 3% fee will make, you know, they can steal hundreds of thousands of dollars off of your nest egg. Well, I don't want to say steal because you can't, you got into an agreement with them and you said you would pay them this. Now, mind you, you probably didn't know you were paying them fees, right? I know there's a lot of people that work with me that feels like their deferred comps and their, their mutual funds and things like that are free. There is no such thing as free investing. Right. They're charging you something. Now, they may not show it to you up front. It may not be completely visible, but they're charging you something. Right. Uh, Because that's how Wall Street makes its money. That's why 401ks and stuff became so popular. That's why the mantra of invest for the long term is so attractive. Right. Because that's commission talk. The longer they can have you just have hold on to longer they can hold on to your money, the more uh, percentages they can just kind of siphon off. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Right. But just understand this, that when you put your money in a mutual fund or a 401k or some type of investment brokerage or something like that, you are putting up all the money. You're taking all the risk and they make money no matter what. Right. Just think about that for a second. You put up all the money, you take all the risk and they make money whether you make money or not. Now, they have incentives to help you make money. Right. Uh, Because the more money you make, the more money they make because they take percentages off of it. Uh, But in this, he he put a chart. He put an example of uh, the impact of fees. So he talked about a million dollars invested at eight percent assumed annualized return over 30 years at a one percent annual fee. You would have over seven million dollars. So seven million six hundred thousand dollars at a two percent annual fee. You'd have five million seven hundred thousand dollars. At a 3%, you have 4300000 So the difference between a 1% and a 3% fee in this scenario is almost double the money, right? It goes from $7.6 million to $4.3. Not quite double, but that's a lot of money. That's $3.3 million difference. It's going from 1% to a 3% fee structure. Fees matter because fees compound. Right. Just like your debt compounds, fees compound as well. 
There's also other fees that we don't think about. I talked about the expense of being broke. I talked a lot about fees, the convenience fees of doing that. There's other fees that cost us convenience fees, you know, of of just kind of living the lifestyles we have. Right. So these are the things that we don't really think about, that we feel like that's normal. Right. To borrow money for a car, to borrow money for a house, to pay, you know, two, three, four, five percent fees to our investment brokers and stuff like that. These things may be the norm. Right. It may be what the average American does. But these things cost you tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifestyle, over your lifetime. And that's significant money. Right. That's nothing to be to sneeze at. Right. Which leads me to the next and final silent killer. And that is distractions. Yeah, I said it. Distractions. I talk about distractions a lot. You've heard me say it that most people don't need money management. They need distraction management. Right. And not just in the realm of money, but relationships and occupation and and, and health and fitness, all this other stuff. Right. But when it comes to your money, if you think about it like this, every day we are bombarded with marketing material, right? Somebody's trying to sell us something. Somebody is working hard. There are whole departments and wings of companies that their biggest job is to get you to transfer your dollars out of your pockets to their pockets, right? And again, there's nothing wrong with that. When you're in business, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to service your customers as best as possible. Give them the best service possible for a degreed upon price um, so you add value to their lives, right? And none of us spend money, well, at least not consciously, uh, unless whatever we're buying, uh, we feel like it's worth more than what we're paying for it, right? That's just the way it goes, right? Um, but if you look at the calendar these days, there's a holiday almost like every week, it seems like, right? There's a, another reason to celebrate, uh, there is, uh, you know, Halloween has gotten a big Christmas is big, of course. Christmas has always been big, but it's been hugely commercialized. Right. Fourth of July is big. Uh, Labor Day, uh, Thanksgiving, Easter, you know, all, all all the basically everything. Right. And they're adding more and more and more holidays to seem like all the time. Then you throw in like birthday parties and gatherings and corporate events and uh, seminars and And all this other stuff that uh, can distract you if you're not paying attention, right? Because you want to be in the mix. You want to be a part of it, right? Uh, Eating out all the time. Again, eating out all the time is not a bad deal if it's not a distraction for you, right? If you've planned for it, if you understand it, uh, that's what you're going to be doing, uh, then that's not a problem, right? But if it's those times that you're, you're not planning it. It's those times you're not thinking about it, you know? That costs you. You know you live a, a fast, uh, fast, just go, 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 go lifestyle. And you know you're gonna be eating out a lot. Just you know, be prepared for it, right? If you can't cook ahead of time and things like that, right? So just be prepared for it. But also, even if you do plan for money, a lot of times when you go out into the wild, right? Say for instance, you sit down and you do a budget, right? And I'm not gonna talk about how most people do budgets wrong, but we'll we'll fix that, right? Say you do a budget. And you say, I'm going to spend this much on on this. Right. But then you go to the store and you end up spending more. Right. And that's because you don't really have a plan to help you help you when you're out there in the wild. Right. You get distracted easily. Right. You say, "Ooh, a sale. Right. You put it on the credit card. And we just talked about what credit cards do to you. <laughs> so distractions, I think, are by far uh, the most overreaching and the most silent killer because we don't think about it. 
we don't think about those small expenses, those seemingly small expenses that give us nothing to show for it when it's all said and done. We just look up five years later and we ask ourselves, where did all that money go? And my goal is to help you get to the point to where you stop saying, where did all that money go? Right. And that's my goal. And that, ladies and gentlemen, are the four silent killers of money. They're killers of your wealth. They're killers of your livelihood. They're killers of your lifestyle. And they're, I think probably more importantly, they're killers of your progress. And when you see no progress in life, you get depressed, right? Because I truly believe that progress is the key to happiness, right? If you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And when you get start moving backwards, you just feel depressed, right? It's just, it's almost a definition of depressed, backwards, right? But don't let these things steal your wealth anymore. Understand it, that taxes are serious. So maybe you should have a method to cut your expenses. And we'll talk about that another time. Uh, inflation is serious. So you need to have a plan in your life to beat inflation. Working for somebody else in your current position will probably not. The just numbers show that it probably will not keep up with inflation. So you have to continuously continue to move up, increase your skills, right? Become more marketable, all right? Start a business, pursue that dream, start investing, get into real estate, get into the stock market, get into whatever, whatever you invest in, you know, just make sure you understand it. But you can always start it with investing in yourself, investing in your own skills, uh, compounding expenses, hidden fees and debt. Right. Those things uh, just it's, it's like death by a thousand cuts. Right. That old Chinese uh, Chinese proverb or actually it was like I think Chinese torture. Right. It's like one of their worst torture techniques. So they would cut you a thousand times. and You would die that way. That's a lot of times how compounding interest, debt, uh, fees and stuff like that, how it just it just destroys your wealth right several hundred thousands of dollars worth of wealth that what i'm talking about here right along with taxes along with inflation along with that and then you're distracted by your everyday things you know you don't have your goals in front of you you don't really understand what you're what you're earning money for right why are you going to work every day what are you doing it for what are you living life for what are your what are your purposes right get those things back and keep them in front of you at all times right and we'll talk about methods to do that and stuff later. But that's that. Man, I hope that was helpful. All right. If it was, let me know and share this out with somebody that you think can benefit from it. Just one person. Right. Let's keep this thing moving. I believe this is probably one of the most important things I've talked about, because if you really understand these things, you can get a plan together to defeat them, to overcome them, to block them from blocking you. Then you really set yourself up for true wealth, uh, not only for you, but for generations that will come after you. Right. So and I'm, I'm a real big believer in leaving a legacy and all that good stuff. So, again, hopefully that was helpful to you. Uh, again, uh, if you're not a misfit, head over to yourmoneyright.com, become a misfit, get on the list. we got a webinar coming up and we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about how to take this thing and uh, take these things that will block you and move them forward. We're going to talk about how to cut the paycheck to paycheck cycle. We're going to th do things like that this month, uh, actually November, the month of mo November, uh, which is basically this month because it's the 31st when you're listening to this now. Uh, so make sure you're on the email list to become a misfit because it's going to be a misfit only uh, deal. So head over to yourmoneyright.com, sign up for that. 
And of course, I'll also have the uh, all the links of things that I talked about so you can go double check my numbers in the show notes. So don't forget about that. You can head over to yourmoneyright.com. It's going to be EP36 or you can just click the link right there in your podcast player. And lastly, don't forget to leave a review if you like the show. Uh, and I think that's it. So I'm going to get off this thing. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I truly appreciate you listening. I love you and God bless. Money, 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 money